Today's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now, you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another says, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of God for the people of God. In keeping with my plan to share with you poets who are black, this is a poem by, from Michael Harper, who I'd never heard of before. He was born in 1938, and he lives in New York City. And this poem is entitled, American History. Those four black girls blown up in that Alabama church remind me of 500 Middle Passage blacks in a net underwater in Charleston Harbor so redcoats wouldn't find them. Can't find what you can't see, can you? So during Black History Month we hear about a lot of successful black people. We hear very little about people who have suffered and died because of the color of their skin. We had a mandatory clergy workshop yesterday dealing with issues of racism. I'm hoping that the workshop I did yesterday will also hold when I go to New York and they don't make me do it over again because New York does not do a good job of these types of things. Yesterday was really worthwhile. 
there was a word that was used that I had never heard before. And I've been thinking about it a lot. We had a video we were supposed to watch before we went to this workshop. And it was about intersectionality, a word that I'd never heard before and didn't quite understand. But what it has to do with are people who are in what I would call a double bind, a black woman who is handicapped, has a much more difficult time finding a job than just a black woman. But being a black woman can also be a double bind because they're black and they're female. So if you add handicap or able to that, then they are really in a triple blind. And one of the things that was brought out that really struck me was that if you look at this like an intersection, and the person who is in this place is right smack in the middle, then you're looking at someone who when the ambulance comes and the ambulance says, we can only pick up people who have come on Main Street or who've come on First Street, we can't pick up somebody who's right smack in the middle, so you're out of luck. Where does that leave people who are at this intersection of multiple roadblocks against them? It makes me really kind of angry, eh, not angry, kind of, like seriously angry, when I think about all of the protests and marches that I did in the mid-60s, and then I look at where we are and we haven't come very far. I mean, there have been laws passed, but it doesn't seem to change things. Black people are still at a much higher rate of having issues with the police than white people are. And then we throw in a few Hispanics just to make things a little more interesting, and we have some serious bias, prejudice, discrimination against people who are black, brown, and lately, we've even had people who are yellow being targeted. So we think if everybody looks just like us, that they're safe. And we say that we are a welcoming and affirming church. But how have we put feet on that? How have we been able to make that known and how willing are we to go out on a limb and stand for people who are being oppressed? I titled this, We're All in This Together, because we are. If we believe that we are all equal in God's sight, which says on several signs around here, equal in God's eyes, equal to God, we should be equal to each other through our eyes as well. And as I stand here and I look around, it's kind of easy to be equal with everybody who looks just like me. Where is the advocacy here? Who's standing up for those people? And I know there are a few of you here. I know that there are people who are doing that 
But we really need to be doing a better job of standing up for the poor, the needy, the marginalized. There's a lot of need in the world. There are a lot of people who are hurting. There are a lot of people who don't have an even playing field. For some people, it's all uphill all the time. They never reach the other side. It's always uphill. I experienced some of that when I was raising children as a single mom. Because I was female, I earned less money than anybody else, you know, any male doing the same job that I was doing. And I went to get heating assistance at one point because I thought, hey, it'd be nice if I had a little help with the oil bill. And I earned $2 a week, too much, to be able to get any assistance. So if I had earned $2 less, I could have gotten oil for the entire winter. But because of that two bucks, I got nothing. Fortunately for me, the person who owned the oil company that I did business with was a decent human being who belonged to the same church that I did. And he gave me one tank of oil for free. You have no idea how grateful I was for that one tank of oil. Dale Williams was a saint. But our system is not an equal playing field by any stretch of the imagination. Our system is biased. There was a young pastor who was at this meeting yesterday who was Korean, and he came to this country because God called him to be in this place. He is serving four churches, half time. That means each church is getting an eighth of a pastor. And he can't get his citizenship papers started because he's having trouble with the immigration office. And his wife isn't able to work because they're not citizens and they have small children. I could have cried. And we really think that it's fair and equitable to have a pastor serving four churches an eighth of a time at each church? What's wrong with the system? Why is it that we have so many roadblocks for people to become citizens? And we have so many people who are saying that we should be stalwart in our rules about allowing immigrants to come in this country when we are all immigrants. Unless you are a pure Native American, you are an immigrant to this country in one way or another. And because of our policies, there are very few 100% pure Indians left in our nation.
I'm worried about the fractures in our denomination. I'm worried more about the fractures in our country. I'm not worried for me, because I'm old and decrepit, and I don't care. <laughs> but I worry for my grandchildren. I worry about what kind of a world will their children grow up in. And if, in fact, we are all in this together, and we are all the same in God's eyes, and if we believe that God has called us, we need to answer that call. We've got a whole pile of people sitting right up front who have answered that call and devoted their lives to serving God. But every one of us here has said that we would serve God. Every one of us has taken that pledge that we will serve God when we joined a church, when we were confirmed. Those pledges were made for you when you were baptized. And we sort of think that it's somebody else's job to do the hard work of ministry. To stand up for the people who have less. We have become a people whose theology is best expressed through your checkbook. Checkbook theology is all right, but it doesn't fly when it comes to real work of God. If we would take five minutes a day to write a letter to somebody to say, this inequity has to stop. We need to stop being people that say, not in my neighborhood, not in my backyard, NIMBY. Move them someplace else. When I was in seminary, there was a serious homeless problem in Columbus, Ohio. And the brilliant people in Columbus came up with a wonderful idea to ease the homelessness in downtown Columbus. They gave people bus tickets to Delaware, Ohio, which was 26 miles up the road. A bus ticket solution for Columbus. I got into a whole lot of trouble because at that time the seminary had all kinds of empty dormitories and empty apartments. And I'd been told to read the early church father, Irenaeus, who I really enjoyed reading. And Irenaeus is all about justice. And so I wrote a paper on that and said that we need to invite the homeless onto our campus and allow them to live in these apartments. And so my professor really got into that, and she thought that was very cool. And she said, you need to take that to the campus council. And so I went to the campus council, and they said, you need to take it to the trustees. And so I took it to the trustees, 
and I was asked to serve on the trustees. But they put up so many roadblocks and so many different places you had to go that by the time it could have come to reality, which would have been a good thing for the seminary and a good thing for the students to be right up close and personal to people in need, they've managed to fill the apartments with students for the next semester. That was almost 40 years ago, and it still stings. We are in this together, but not just with ourselves. We are in this together with all of the people that are outside the doors. We've become mighty comfortable in our churches. It's nice and warm in here, and we're not hurting. And when we leave here, we know we can always go and get something to eat. That's not true of people who are on the outside. We need to be thinking bigger than just here. I figured out that I have about 30 weeks, 39 weeks or so with you. And I am not going to let it go. No, I don't have 39 weeks. I've got some bunches. Not too many left. And I'm not going to let you just sit on your hands. And everything I hear is that you don't want to sit on your hands. You want to make a difference. So let's get busy. And remember that we can rely on one another for support and love, but we can't hold it in this building. If we don't share it, it's worthless. The love of God does not belong to us. It belongs to everyone. Amen and amen.